Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, it has been a busy day for you, I know, but I'm so happy that you're joining us today, and we can talk about some Jets. <laughs> well, uh, for those that don't know, I do a lot of work with fan-sided uh, NBA coverage in addition to this, so with Pascal Siakam having the audacity to get traded about 20 minutes before <laughs> we went live, I had, to put, I had to put out some fires over and that field, so now that we pushed it back an hour, apologies for the delay for everybody used to the 3 o'clock show. We'll be back at 3 o'clock, barring more acts of God that upset my schedule, but we are here at 4 o'clock, and we got some Jets offseason talk, which is always a good time. That we do, yeah. As, as long as Scotty Barnes doesn't get traded next week, uh, then we should be fine. Why do I even suggest that? <laughs> what, do you, what, do you hate me? What, do you? <laughs> I'm sorry, what do you man. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> we got a great show, though. We are going to be breaking down pretty much every Jets uh, unrestricted free agent and discussing whether they should be back, whether they shouldn't. For some guys, that might not be more than like a sentence, but for other guys, it might be a legit conversation. Uh, we're also going to be talking about some potential players the Jets might be cutting a little bit later, some, some potential Jets cap casualties. But first, before we get into all that, we got a message from our friends over at DraftKings. Hey, Jets fans, DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of the postseason. You can place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $150 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is that you will receive both rewards even if your first bet loses. When you join DraftKings, make sure that you sign up with our code FSBETS. that should be on the screen. Using our code FSBETS, that's F-S-B-E-T-S, not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBETS to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer, this offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Of course, I'm going to do the mic part now. As always, find us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Always Overcast, all that stuff. Now, Mike, it's time to talk about some Jets free agents, some specifically unrestricted free agents. We're not really going to talk too much about the, the Kenny Yaboas of the world, the unrestricted free agents, but I kind of want to go through. I wanted to go through and break down each Jets unrestricted free agent this year. And we're going to discuss. You guys can offer your opinions in chat. As always, you are welcome to, to comment. We'll try and respond to as much as we can. Uh, we're going to offer our opinions on and if the Jets should resign these guys. We're going to play general manager for a little bit. We're going to become Joe Douglas uh, for the sake Which of is not very hard to do considering his body of work. So it's we It won't be hard to do better than what he did last offseason. That's for sure. But first, we're going to go in alphabetical order. And so that means let's start with Mekhi Becton. 
That's the first unrestricted free agent. Also one of the most notable uh, unrestricted free agents the Jets have this offseason. Mike, I'll get your opinion first. What do you think the Jets should do, and what do you, what do you think they will do with Mekhi Becton? Well, I think looking at how the mock drafts have been shaking out, and we'll get into draft stuff a little bit later if, if time allows it in the show, but if they had won a couple extra games and they were in like the 16-17 range, even though this is an incredibly deep draft for offensive tackles particularly, like I know there's the big two names that everybody talks about, Olu Fashanu and Joe Alt, but you look there, there's Talia Sifuaga and J.C. Latham and Jordan Morgan and Troy Fatanu, like all these guys – Amarius Mims, like big names that could come out kind of in the middle of late rounds. Even with that, I still think if they were in that sort of range, I think they're like, you know what, we're not going to probably throw a number 18 pick or a number 17 pick out there as a rookie. Let's just roll it back with Makai. Everything went wrong this year. They seem to have the opinion that who could have done anything right this year because everything else went wrong. Well, maybe that could apply to Makai Becton too. That's probably That could be their logic. But I'm at the point now where – it's just hard to envision a situation where Makai Becton ends up being a long-term piece for the Jets. And he was already a little pissed off uh, last season with the whole, I am a left tackle and ripping the coaching staff. We know he hates his position coach, Keith Carter, which everybody hates Keith Carter, but why would you even bring Makai Becton back if he hates his position coach? They're not, they're not getting rid of Keith Carter. So he seems to have won that stalemate. And on top of that, his performance, forget bad, I mean, there were some games that were just unwatchable, like in particular the Miami game when he was on Bradley Chubb, who Bradley Chubb's a good player, but not like I don't think an, an all-pro edge rusher, but he's certainly a solid like, you know, nine, ten sacks a year guy. That was as rough a performance given the levels of talent between them as I've seen in quite some time for one left tackle and one defensive end. I mean, he had no shot of doing anything against Bradley Chubb, and you can't have that from a franchise left tackle, number one. And number two, you certainly can't have that from a franchise left tackle who's going to be protecting Aaron Rodgers off an Achilles injury. Now that they're in the number 10 range, they have no excuse to bring Beckton back, in my opinion. Because looking at how some of the defensive players have started to rise a little bit and how guys like Roma Dunze and Malik Neighbors like, have become top 10 almost locks outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. was going earlier, there's a good chance that one of Fashanu or Alt is available at number 10 overall. And if you could do that, then there's no excuse to really bring Beckton back because then you just take one of those two, and then you got your left tackle. Yeah, to that point, we've seen a lot of Montrez recently having either Joe Alt or more specifically, I think in most cases, Ola Fashanu falling to the Jets at 10. So it's really? not out of the new one? What was that? Is Alt the new number one tackle? It seems to be. I mean, it's still January 17th. Like, a lot's going to change by the time we get to the draft in April. But it seems right now Alt might be taking the lead. But either way, there is a real chance that one of those tackles are on the board at 10. And even if they're not, we've been saying this for a while. We've been saying it for months. I would be very surprised if Akai Beckton was back next year. John Lynn in chat said he first said keep him because he's cheap, but then he later said keep him for depth. Uh, I don't think Makai Becton is going to be a backup tackle on a team next year. I do think that wherever he ends he up going. He should be, but he's not. Right. I think that wherever he ends up going, he will be starting, at the very least competing for a starting job. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't starting. Despite his struggles this year and despite his injury history, he is a 24-year-old left tackle. Left tackle. I think we could say left tackle. You know, Either way, offensive tackle. Uh, 24-year-old offensive tackle with a high draft pedigree and a clear high upside. Uh, there were many people thinking that he was a future star after his rookie season. There was a, I always, I always cite this source, but there was a, 
uh, ESPN poll that was done of 50 league executives, coaches, players from around the league. I don't think it was players. I think it was executives and coaches from around the league. And Mekhi Becton was ranked as the sixth best offensive tackle in the NFL entering the 2021 season. That's a real thing that you could look up. It's a real poll that was done because play, coaches and executives were, were projecting him to take that leap in his second season. So clearly, despite his struggles and his injury issues over the last few years, there's a lot of people who think very highly of Mekhi Becton. I think he's going to get paid still pretty sizable money despite his issues this year. I don't know if it's going to be like a four or five year deal. Maybe if it's a four year deal, I imagine it'll be some kind of deal where it's an out after year two, but I think he's going to get paid. Uh, I think it's in the best interest of both sides at this point to move on. The Jets need someone that they can rely on to one, stay healthy, and two, perform at a higher level than Mekhi Becton did in 2023. And Mekhi Becton, just, he, he needs a change of scenery. I don't think he's he's I think he got off on the wrong foot with this coaching staff. And I don't think he ever really recovered from that, uh, even though he played this entire year and was playing there. Clearly, there's some riff there. And it's kind of like the Zach Wilson situation where I just think both sides need to move on. They need a change of scenery. So I would be very surprised if the Jets did resign McKay Becton. And if I was Joe Douglas, I, I wouldn't. I would look for other options. The next guy. <laughs> Looking at Becton, though, one last thing on Becton. It reminds me, this is not this extreme of an example, but remember Jason Verrett? Yeah. Like every year he'd be a pro bowler and literally, like he'd play one game a year and and get hurt again. And then you're, but he keeps giving him chances because it, now it's not that extreme because Jason Verrett has four seasons in which he's played exactly one game and has missed two others because of injury. It's almost, it's almost like, not that it's funny, but it's like, it's almost comical how. I agree. How much he gets injured, it's unfortunate for him. Or even like a Bob Sanders with the Colts. People remember Bob Sanders, who, again, he was a safety who was 5'7", and he hit her. That's why he hurt all the time. But talent, the talent is going to get him a second contract. Yep. But it shouldn't be with the Jets for reliability reasons, and it just it, it's just not working. Like, do you really think – Jets fans out there who've seen Mekhi Beckton more than anyone else in the league, do you really think he's just going to suddenly put it all together with the Jets? Same coaching staff, same everything. A coach he doesn't like. <laughs> I, I just I, you, you mentioned Jason Barrett, and it makes me sad every time I think of Jason Barrett. Just really quick, in his last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons in the NFL, he has played one or fewer games in seven of the last or six of the last seven years in the NFL. You know how ridiculous that is. <laughs> He's still hanging around. Always like first day of camp, he hurt his Achilles again. It's never like he gets like a a, a messed up my pinky finger. It's always an Achilles or an ACL. Achilles and it's it's. I think he had a torn labrum too. It's like every major injury this dude has suffered. So I feel bad for Jason Barrett. Um, But yeah, speaking of older veterans who get hurt a lot, Dwayne Brown is the next player we're going to talk about. I don't think this is going to be a particularly difficult one to talk about. Mike, do you think Dwayne Brown will be back in twenty twenty four? You know what? I wouldn't be opposed to. Wayne Brown, assistant offensive line coach. Yeah, I'm all for that. Let him help out Keith Carter. That's fine. This just seems like – because, again, this guy just loves football. And you can see that with the Jets, him accepting a backup role for the first time in his career, playing hurt last year. Like, some guys just love being around the game and playing the game. Now, he physically – because, again, not only was he hurt a lot, but he's also 38. Like, I, I know that guys are, you know, Jason Peters playing until he's 40, and even, like, Brady's a quarterback. Like, that doesn't happen a lot. 38 for an offensive tackle in the NFL? They're, not everybody's Andrew Whitworth or Jackie Slater. That's incredibly rare. So I think he's one of those guys, if you bring him on as a coaching set, everybody loves him from what I hear. Like, I can't, you can't find a player that is a bad word to say about Dwayne Brown. 
I think he's one of those guys who could transition into coaching, obviously. But as a player, unfortunately, because I thought he'd be okay this year, I think it's it's probably the end of the road for him. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dwayne Brown deserves the respect of not only Jets fans, but of everyone really in the football world. Because, so first of all, his first season with the Jets, 2022, he played through, a, I believe, a torn rotator cuff the entire season. Literally had to strap his arm in a sling to play that year. Crazy that the dude decided to play through that, even though it was it was a miserable season for the Jets by all accounts. They were, they were not a good team. They were not going to make a playoff run. Then this year, he comes back, gets hurt again, hurts his hip. But the dude still returns later in the year, like you said, Mike, as a backup, not even just as a backup, he was being used as an inline tight end. He was an extra blocker playing like five, six snaps a game. He didn't need to do that. Dude's 38, 39 years old on a team that was playing for nothing, but he did do it. He wanted to do it because he wanted to contribute to the team and he wanted to play football. So shout out Dwayne Brown. Obviously, I don't think the Jets are going to rely on him in any capacity next season as a player. If he does retire and want to join the coaching world, sure, absolutely. He can He can come on the Jets coaching staff as an assistant coach. That'd be great. Uh, but, yeah, as a player, I'm pretty sure that the Jets are definitely going to go in a different direction there. Uh, another player who dealt with injury concerns, unfortunately, for the first time this past year, just so happened to be his first year with the Jets, Chuck Clark. And I think this is someone a lot of Jets fans have, thought, have forgotten about because uh, he was brought in in, I believe, April or March, whenever they made that trade. It was March. Uh, they brought him in, and I thought it was one of the best moves of the entire offseason uh, to be one of their starting safeties. That was the assumption, and I, I really liked the move. Uh, as, a, as a whole, Chuck Clark is by far, like far and away, the best tackler of any safety in this roster, a position that did give the Jets issues this year and has given the Jets issues the last few years. Uh, I know he's coming off the torn ACL, but he's been extremely durable throughout his entire career. I believe this is the first game in his entire career, like this season, was the first time he missed a game due to injury in his entire career. <laughs> and it just so happened to be his first year at the Jets. I'm all in favor of that. He didn't make it to the preseason. Nope, didn't even – OTAs gets hurt. Uh, so I, I am all in favor of bringing back Chuck Clark in 2024. I know Jets fans will, it's very easy to forget he even exists because he barely even was on the roster. Uh, but I'm all in favor of that. Mike, what do you think? Well, he is going to be 29 years old, which that's not ancient for a safety, but you are getting close to 30. And when you're getting older as a cornerback, you at least have the advantage of sometimes moving to safety. If you lose your athleticism, if you're a safety and you start losing your athleticism, then where do you go from there? Linebacker, baby, Robert Sala. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, he might be considering that. Like yeah. Chuck Clark is just such like he's just the player I love watching just as a safety because he plays, he's kind of an old school safety. Like you can't hit like Jack Tatum did in the old days or stuff like that, but 
He can when he wants to, super smart, never out of position. Like, without the injury, if you're just – let's just say he took this year off and, like, went hiking or something like that to do a spiritual spirit quest like Aaron Rodgers did. If there was no, like, injury factor into it, I'm like, you know what? I would I would love to have Chuck Clark in there because he is 29. Like, he is getting older, but he's still probably get maybe one-ish years of prime left. Never out of position. He can cover. It's not like he's amazing at it, but he certainly can. And you, and then he he doesn't get hurt. Now he got hurt now, so that's clouding my whole like evaluation of Chuck Clark because I just don't know where he's going to be at injury wise, and I don't know if the Jets know. I don't even think he knows right now. And I know somebody's got to make that decision eventually because the Jets could potentially have two new starting safeties this season. I don't think anybody would bat an eye if that ended up happening. Somebody's got to make that decision, but. I, I guess you bring him back. It's just, I don't know what kind of contract he would get. Like, is it probably just going to be like a one year, let's see what you got thing? That would be my but even guess. then, do you guarantee him a starting spot because of that? Because normally, he, production wise, he'd be guaranteed a starting spot and he might ask for starting money. So I don't know where things really stand with him right now. I don't expect the Jets to invest heavily into the safety position because they never have under Joe Douglas. Uh, Jordan White as a free agent, Ashton Davis is a free agent. We'll talk about those guys momentarily. Uh, Tony Adams, I would imagine, is going to be locked into one of those starting jobs because for as much as I think he struggled earlier in the year, I do think he got better throughout the season. And he kind of had a knack for a big play, not as much as Ashton Davis, but he had a couple of pretty big interceptions throughout the season. So I don't I don't hate Tony Adams being one of those starting safeties. And if you want to bring back Chuck Clark, bring back Ashton Davis, that's fine with me. I think Clark, Davis, and Adams is like in another year of Adams, Adams Adams in his second year as a starter is a better safety room than you had this year because I think Chuck Clark is an upgrade over Jordan Whitehead and Ashton Davis proved that I think he can fill that third safety role. I don't think I want Ashton Davis as one of the starting two safeties, but as that third safety role, he he really thrived and maximized the snaps. So I wouldn't hate him, him coming back. And if that includes bringing back Chuck Clark and hoping he can be a guy, maybe you draft someone on day three or maybe you hope someone like Jark Bernard Converse takes that leap. We didn't really get to see him at all this year. Uh, I think that's a plan they can go forward with at safety. I just I don't think they're going to make a big move. So I think bringing back someone like Chuck Clark, who is a, a reliable player, I believe he was amongst the, the league leaders in lowest missed tackle rate over the last few years before he got hurt. I'd be I'd be very happy bringing back Chuck Clark. I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed at all. The next player that we're going to talk about, uh, I think both of us would probably be opposed if they brought him back because when they when the Jets signed Randall Cobb, uh, I think well, the assumption no, no. next next guy <laughs> the assumption most people had was that Randall Cobb would be a fine wide receiver five right now that was the assumption I'm trying I'm pulling up Randall Cobb stats this year uh, Randall Cobb ended up playing how many snaps he ended up playing. Uh, should have had this pulled up first. He ended up playing 210 snaps on offense for the Jets this year. He finished felt like 2000. He finished with five catches. <laughs> how do you do that? Like mathematically, how do you do that? So I don't think, look, with Randall, with Aaron, Aaron Rodgers running the show, sort of, and Nathaniel Hackett there, we can never rule out the possibility that Cobbs comes back. But if it's up to us, I don't think either of us want Randall Cobb back. And I, I will go out on a limb and I will say I don't think the Jets are going to re-sign Randall Cobb. I'm not positive. Like, they very well could. And if they do, I won't be surprised. But I think that they realize their wide receiver room is not good enough and that there's absolutely no reason to bring back Randall Cobb. At the very least, like the only way I'm okay with it is if they bring him back and they say, hey, compete with this guy. Compete with a couple of UDFAs for a back-end roster spot. Re-sign to the practice squad. Whatever. That's fine with me, I guess. 
but in no way, shape, or form should he be relied upon in any capacity in 2024. He might be in the Dwayne Brown coaching route, for being honest. Sure. Bring him in. Hey, make him the, the assistant. I'm sure he knows football. He just can't execute it anymore. Yeah. He could in the past, can't now. Seems like a lot of guys in the Hackett system are like that, you know, Tim Boyle, etc. Uh, apparently that's the, I've, I've mentioned this before, drive me crazy. Everybody talks about how complex this thing is. Like watching it, the results are incredibly basic. If people were like, yeah, you know, Mike McDaniel's offense in Miami, you really got to know it for it. I'm like, okay, fine. There's all these motion and guys moving everywhere. I'm like, okay, that could be complicated for a quarterback. Like this is the most basic thing. What is so hard about it? I don't know, man. Apex on Twitter said, get rid of Cobb and CJ, please. We'll talk about CJ Ozama a little bit later when we talk about our potential cap casualties because I think of anybody on the roster, he's probably the most obvious and likely cap casualty. Brian in chat said, Randall Cobb made $600,000 per reception or $77,000 per yard because he finished, I believe, at 39 yards uh, this year. Boy, I wish I was Randall Cobb. That sounds like a great deal. Uh, On to a player who I think a lot of Jets fans would be more – uh, in favor of bringing back that's someone we just talked about Ashton Davis uh, I know I just we just kind of mentioned him before but he's a guy who I think maximized his snaps more than maybe anybody on the roster this season I don't think he's someone I want to rely on as a, as a regular starting safety but I think he found a perfect role as that third safety and on top of that I think this is even more important than a lot of Jets fans realize he's a core special teamer. He is one of Brant Boyer's favorites. Boyer is one of the only reasons that Davis has still been on the roster the last couple of seasons. I know we saw him improve and actually have value on defense this year, but before this, before this season, he had really just been a special teamer. Like he was, he was basically a special teamer. And then they put him out there on uh, like the prevent prevent defense last plays of the game. That was basically his role. Uh, So I think because of his versatility and value on special teams, there's a good chance that Davis is back in 2024. I mean, I, I've said in the past, I think I wouldn't be opposed to Davis ending up as one of the starting safeties. Wow. Because, like, there were, it became a meme. Ashton Davis, whenever he's on the field, he makes plays. It's like, yeah, there's a reason for that because he's improved. Like, like, in terms of where he started to where he is now, like, in ter- the, the gap that he's taken, like, that he's made up under Robert Sala, it's cavernous. Like it, I did, I thought Ashley Davis was going to be a cut candidate when Robert Sala came in because he stunk, yeah. <laughs> and and because he always the athleticism and the speed was never the question. He can cover ground. It was just does he know what he's doing, where he's supposed to be? He just didn't have that that brain. Now he has it, and at the end of the year, he was really playing good ball. So why would you risk getting rid of him as a special teamer or a safety? Like he has value for this defense. He does. I agree. And I think that they will make an effort to re-sign him, uh, if only because you should want to reward your players that continuously get better and improve. We'll get to Bryce Huff in a little bit. I think he also falls under that that umbrella, but I think that they will, and I think that they should re-sign Ashton Davis. Next, Mike, I want to hear your hottest take about the next Jets free agent we're going to talk about. Give me your hottest take about Sam McGuavin. He seems like a very nice young man. Sam McGuavin, linebacker and uh, core special teamer for the Jets. There's nothing to say here. I, maybe the Jets re-sign him. Who knows? Either way, he'd be competing for a roster spot in 2024. I, look, again, he seems like a great guy. Sure, whatever. Uh, we don't need to talk about him too much. But Sam McGuavin, cool. Bring him back. If he's a Brent Boyer favorite, bring him back. Next player, uh, 
this is someone I don't think is going to be back this year. And I know that there will be Jets fans who are like, oh, maybe you could bring him back as depth. I think he's going to get a better opportunity elsewhere. And that's Bryce Hall. Uh, Bryce Hall, of course, former, I think, fifth round pick of the Jets in 2020. There was a point in time, not that long ago, a couple of years ago, where it looked like Bryce Hall was like a legitimate building block for this Jets defense. Like after that, the 2021 season where he started every single game was one of the only guys in that defense that stayed healthy throughout the year. Like he led the league in pass breakups uh, or like tied with Marshawn Lattimore or something. Like he genuinely was pretty solid. Obviously was not a number one corner, even though he was for the Jets that year, but he, he played all right. Then after that season, for whatever reason, just every time he, he was getting limited playing time, but every time we saw him on the field, it was not a good moment for Bryce Hall. Uh, whether it was preseason or there was the limited reps he was getting in the regular season, it, it wasn't good. But I think this year, when he stepped up, when when Sauce was out, when DJ Reed was out, started a couple of games, I think he proved again that he, like genuinely in my mind, Bryce Hall is a solid like third cornerback. That's that's it, it, like I think he starts on some teams in the league. I still do believe that. No. I, I I believe that Bryce Hall could start in a couple. I'm not as a good starter, but as a low end starter, I think he could do that. I think in 2021 he showed he was a fine starting caliber cornerback. Like he was perfectly fine then. I feel like that's kind of an oxymoron in my opinion. A low end starter in a lot of yeah, low end starter. Well, it's like it's a, not like that's not like I think he's like the Jacoby Brissett of cornerbacks, and that's fine. That's perfectly fine. You know, see, low end starter to me doesn't that that just sounds like guy who's starting as a placeholder until we get somebody better, which is not a yeah. great, in my opinion. Like assessment of his value. This is why I don't think the Jets will get him. But guess guess who gets overpaid in free agency? Low end starters every single year get overpaid in free agency. Bryce Hall. I mean, the the last time we saw him as a starter too, mostly because twenty twenty two, he didn't really play at all. No, he didn't. Like was the first year with Robert Sala, and it was so bad that it prompted him to use the number four pick on a cornerback and then pay a ton of money for DJ Reed. That's that's revisionist history. Bryce Hall was not bad in twenty twenty one. Like I'm not saying that he was amazing. But he was fine. Like I thought he was a starting caliber player that year. He was okay. He was all right. I he guess right. I guess agree to disagree because I mean <laughs> he was fine. <laughs> I, I may maybe I'm just I, I I'm remembering with rose colored glasses or whatever. I I I think I remember yeah, Adam Gase here the first year he was pretty good and then he then he fell off. Well, he, he started half the year, you know, his rookie year. Um, but yeah, I, this year he played well too. Like when he was starting with Craig James of all people out there, like he played well. He genuinely did pretty well this year for like the two or three games that he played significant snaps. So and I, I think resigning Tay Hayes based on that either, though. So hey, they did. They they resigned Tay Hayes to a futures deal. So well, you know what it. I mean. <laughs> uh, I think Bryce Hall is a good player. I don't think he's going to be back on the Jets because I think he's getting an opportunity elsewhere. On top of that, again, going back to the special teams conversation, they don't seem to trust him to contribute on special teams. He did a little bit more this year than he has in the past, but they don't really like him in that role. So I don't think he's back for that reason. I think they're just going to prioritize their fourth and fifth and sixth corners based on who could play specials like a Brandon Eccles. Uh, but I think Bryce Hall is a fine player, and I think he's going to find a role elsewhere. Maybe like, I don't know, it makes me think when I was covering the Ravens, like an Anthony Averett type. Uh, who was there and didn't really get an opportunity because they had guys ahead of him that at the time they had Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters ended up going elsewhere, getting a decent size deal. I think that could happen with Bryce Hall. I don't think he's going to get like, you know, 10 million a year, but I can see him getting like a two year, $9 million contract, something like that elsewhere. I I really think that that's in his range where he can compete for a starting job elsewhere. I don't think it'll be with the Jets, obviously, Uh, but good player. And I want to shout out Bryce Hall because I've always been a Bryce Hall fan. I mean, if you're eyeing Shadur Sanders and you want to, you know, surefire way to make sure your defense is in the bottom third, I mean, sure, make Bryce Hall a starter. All right, he's, man. he's fine All for right. what he is. It's just I don't, yeah. I don't share yeah. your optimism. 
I'm a Bryce Hall fan. I'm president, not president. I'm president of the Ty Johnson fan club, but I'm, I'm like VP of the Bryce Hall fan club. So shout out Bryce Hall. Uh, speaking of special teamers who I guess also play cornerback, the next guy is Justin Hardy. Uh, I think Hardy is kind of going to be grouped in the same category as Thomas Morstead for me, and maybe to a lesser extent, Greg Zerline as obvious core special teamers who I think the Jets will resign. Uh, I have a little less optimism, optimism about Zerline, although we'll get to that. I guess he's the last guy on our list because he's, is, is he's probably of all the players in the NFL, maybe like last in alphabetic order because who else would be, who'd be after that? I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> Justin Hardy, uh, obviously one of the best special teamers in the NFL. He did miss some time with an injury this year, but as long as Brant Boer is around, he's going to do everything he can to bring Justin Hardy back. So I do expect him to be on the roster next year. I mean, I feel like Hardy's at that point now where it's like, Matt, he's like Matthew Slater or Steve Tasker or what was the guy in the card? Was it Justin Bethel? I think it was on the Cardinals for a long yeah, time. Yeah, Justin Bethel. Where he he keeps taking up a roster spot based on special teams and, and nothing else. I remember, what was the guy? It was Don Beebe's son for the Vikings. What sure. was his name? Chad oh, Beebe. That's Chad Beebe, yeah. Chad Beebe, yeah. I know that is. Okay. Him or uh, so many other one of those guys. Like, he's in that range. Like I can't find anything bad to say about Justin Hardy. He's not going to really change the outcome of a game win or loss wise, but for how specialized his role is, he's as good as it gets right now. The only way I would see the Jets not prioritizing bringing back Hardy is if they think that Irv Charles can fill those shoes in 2024. That's the only way I could see it happening. If they really believe in Irv Charles and they think that he can be the younger, cheaper Justin Hardy, then maybe they go that route. But if not, uh, I think Hardy's back. Also, great poll from Brian in chat saying Brandon Zilstra. When I was talking about, I think Zerline would be last uh, in terms of alphabetic order. That is, I believe, a former wide receiver, right? Played for like the Panthers or something. Well, uh, technically, his brother, we're doing alphabetical, the tiebreakers, his brother Shane Zilstra, who played oh for the Lions. Goodness. Wow. That might be, that might be last. Yeah, I don't, you probably I believe he caught a touchdown. I remember him because that was in the Zach Wilson Lions game where he kind of melted down again. Who, Shane Zilstra? I think he was in that game. Shane Zilstra. He is, yeah, he's currently still on the Lions. Uh, oh, he was hurt all year. He was hurt. Oh, that's unfortunate. But there you go. So if you're looking for – if that's ever a trivia question, I believe Shane Zilstra – Shane Zilstra has got to be the last in terms of alphabetic order. Like, of I any believe player. one of the top ones is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who used to play for the Dolphins, if people remember that guy. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, isn't it? He was the it? running back under Jimmy Johnson, Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who used to play for the Dolphins. I think okay. he's like near the top for the NFL. AB, a- that would make sense. Uh, anyway, major tangent there. Uh, but good pull, good pull at Brandon Zilstra. On to the next player. And again, Mike, I want to hear your absolute hottest take about this player. All right. What do you think the Jets should do with Jalen Holmes? I don't know. Send him on his way. Yeah, he seems like an okay guy. You give him like a swag bag of, you know, like a t shirt or something, like a, one of those coffee mugs. What if that's what they do? Anytime a team cuts a player, they just give them like a t shirt and like a pen and they're like, hey, man. Thanks for contributing to the Jets. <laughs> Man, I don't even want this coffee mug. And they break it. These are mad. <laughs> I, I hope maybe what they should do that with coaches. That's what fifty dollar Amazon gift card. They should do that with coach. They get them like print out like a photo of them like in the locker room or something. The photo of their locker. That'd be fun. Just <laughs> something to take uh, home when you go back to your your graduate assistant job. Yeah, but yeah, I don't. I don't. There's nothing really to say about Joe and Holmes. The only take I'll have is that I think the Jets should probably look to upgrade as their their interior uh, their interior run defense. I think after Al Woods went down, which we'll talk about him in a little bit, 
they really lacked in that area, whether it was a Jalen Holmes or whether it was a Perry on Winfrey or whoever, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't doing the job. Tanzel smart, whoever was in there. So maybe upgrade there, but there's not really anything to talk about Jalen Holmes. There is something to talk about, however, with somebody who I would say is probably the most important uh, free agent that the Jets have this season, this off season. And that's Bryce Huff because Bryce Huff is probably, I would say, the best player that is a free agent for the Jets. And it's also the most discussed because it really could go one of two ways. Uh, I have been long in the camp that says, I don't think the Jets will resign him. I do think they should. I think they should, but I don't think that they will. But first, I I'll get your thoughts on it, Mike, before I weigh in. What do you think the Jets will do with Bryce Huff? And what do you think they should do with Bryce Huff? Well, I don't think they're going to resign Bryce Huff. And this is really tough for me because I liked Will McDonald as a player. I was not as upset with the pick as other people were. Because, again, even though we liked Bryce Huff, I don't even think anybody anybody was expecting Bryce Huff to do this. Be, you know, 11 sacks near the top of the league in pressure rate with an expander. And be better on in run defense. He's not amazing, but, like, he tries. He, you know, he makes some plays in run defense. So... Because of that, part of me in the back of my mind is like, all right, this is just like a one-year guy is hitting his peak, sell high kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the other side is, man, if Will McDonald doesn't get like 11 sacks or you know, him and Jermaine Johnson don't add 11 sacks to this team, the Jets might be screwed. Because so much of why their defense is so good on top of the cornerbacks you know, being what they are is they're able to only really rush four guys without a bunch of creative – blitz packages and get home and Bryce Huff was a huge part of that now if the Jets genuinely think Will McDonald can be that guy and again they picked him 15th overall so I think they believe in this guy to to some degree he didn't get a lot of time this year but I honestly I don't think that's an indictment on him as a player I think that was just victim of circumstances I don't think they ever intended for him to get a big role this year I think they're gonna say you know what this is our pick we're gonna live and die with this pick if he's great that, and again, like I, he was very limited action, mm-hmm. but he looked okay. He looked pretty good from what I saw. It was like when Bryce Huff came in and he was playing limited snaps, but you're like, all right, we could we could see something here. Like I kind of saw some stuff with McDonald. Now it's just a question of can he do an expanded role? I think he can, especially because his production going down to Iowa State was because he was playing four tech at like 240 pounds, which is ridiculous. I think that he's I think he's on the track to being a pretty high end starter in this league, like competing for Pro Bowls often. And I think if you can get something of that, you know, for Bryce Huff and elevate McDonald at the same time, I think that's just killing two birds at one stone. As tough as it'll be to see Huff go. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man, because Bryce Huff's great. We know Bryce Huff's amazing. I, I think that ultimately the Jets have foreshadowed what they're going to do in this situation by their moves in the past and by how they've, I guess, treated, I don't want to say treated, but how they valued or I guess undervalued Bryce Huff. They drafted Jermaine Johnson in the first round. They traded up to draft him. They drafted Will McDonald in the first round in consecutive seasons. They did that because they were looking ahead to the future because they were like, all right, Carl Lawson's going to be a free agent. 
uh, because Bryce Huff is going to be a free agent and we don't know we're going to bring him back. I think Bryce Huff this year was a lot better than the Jets ever thought he was going to be as a player. I think he got significantly better as a run defender and has just established himself as one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, proving that he could do it even when you give him more snaps because he wasn't just playing third downs. By midway through the season, he was playing you know 50% of snaps a game, uh, which he probably should still be playing more, but that's just how the Jets rotate with their defensive line. I would love to see Bryce Huff back with the team in 2024. I would. I just don't think it's going to happen. And unfortunately, you know, we've compared it to a guy like Shaquille Barrett. I could see it being a very similar situation to that, where somebody who is an extremely productive and efficient edge rusher, who was just kind of buried on the depth chart and undervalued by his team, signs with a new team and then just absolutely balls out. And, you know, I think Shaq Barrett had 19 and a half sacks his first year at the Bucs. I could see a very similar situation unfolding with Bryce Huff. If the Jets do this, they need to be absolutely positive that Will McDonald is going to be a very good player. And not just like a solid player, not just a guy who can be a a third down uh, specialist, a situational pass rusher. No, they need to make sure that he is going to be one of the best players in your defense because that's what Bryce Huff is right now. That's that is Bryce Huff's role. So if you're saying, all right, we believe in who we what we have, we believe in in Robert Sala's ability to internally develop talent and 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 just evaluate his own players, then you need to be absolutely sure that Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald can fill that void. I'm not. I'm not sure of that at all. I'm not saying that Will McDonald's not going to be good. I'm just saying that he's already basically the same age as Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff, and he played the fewest snaps of any first round pick that the Jets have had since Vernon Golston last year. So it's a complete unknown. Like, that's not to say he is Vernon Golston. It's to say that we don't know what Will McDonald is. All we can go on is his college tape and his limited snaps in the NFL, which he was fine. Like, he was totally fine in his role last year. He was fine with limited snaps. But there's nothing that I saw that makes me think that he's going to be what Bryce Huff is right now. I'm in the camp that says, look, you're trying to win a Super Bowl. You don't let Bryce Huff walk with the hope and expectation that Will McDonald can be Bryce Huff because you already have Bryce Huff. It's the famous like family guy uh, clip where it's like, oh, what's in the mystery box? Like, I don't know if I want the mystery. I don't know if I want this boat because I want this mystery box because the mystery box could be anything. It could even be a boat. Like that's it's that whole quote where it's like, well, you, you already have Bryce Huff. Why go for the mystery box? Why go for what you don't know in Mill McDonald, hoping he could be Bryce Huff when you have Bryce Huff? I know, I know why. It's money. It's it's hoping that you can get a a a the same production uh for cheaper, a, a younger asset. Like I understand, not that he's even younger, he's just cheaper and you have more team control. I just don't think that that's the smart decision. But I do think that that's just what the Jets will ultimately do. I think that Bryce Huff will outprice the Jets, what they're willing to offer, because I don't think the Jets see Bryce Huff as a three-down player. I don't think that they have. I don't think they they, they ever have. Um, so ultimately, I just I unfortunately think that Bryce Huff will be gone. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope that the Jets end up, end up extending him because he's a very good player. Uh, so And like I was saying with the Ashton Davis thing, you want to pay players who are young and who develop through your who get better who get better over time he's an undrafted free agent that you developed you pay and reward players like that next up really quick uh quentin jefferson i think that quentin jefferson is somebody that like for all of the the missteps that joe douglas had this offseason this is probably one of the better moves he made they signed him to a pretty oh assuredly so i mean i didn't think he was going to be anywhere near this good yeah signed to a pretty cheap contract ended up with i think a career high six sacks or something this year Solid player, good good role player, somebody that you want in, in that pass rush rotation. I'd be very happy if they brought back Quentin Jefferson. Started every game he played, and I believe this – yeah, a career high. Nothing wrong with Quentin Jefferson, especially a veteran guy. Like, he did better against the run than I thought he would because, like, again, he went down earlier on, and then there was, I think, a clear impact of losing him, which I think is a good 
co-sign of his ability. And there, there's always like guys like this, veterans, one, two-year deals, relatively cheap. Like, why would you just swap him out for like another NPC? Like, he knows the system, yep. played well, guys like him. Seems like a no-brainer. But again, firing Keith Carter was a no-brainer. I didn't do that either, so... It'll be whatever, like, honestly, the only way they don't resign him is if someone gives him like a Sheldon Rankins deal. Like that's, that's the only way they won't resign him. If some team looks at him and they go, all right, he was really good this year. Let's pay him eight, nine million a year. Then yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be back. Uh, but I think that the Jets will do everything to bring him back as long as it's a cheap and affordable deal. Real quick, let's go through a few more of these names. Honestly, I'm just going to rattle off some of them. We're going to say yes or no, resign, decline, whatever you want to do, Mike. I think this one's pretty easy. Carl Lawson. Do you think he'll be back next year? What do you think? <laughs> no. Uh, I'll put Pretty my hand easy. up. That. That's probably the thing I was most wrong about this offseason. I really wanted the Jets. I didn't, okay. I, I don't want to say I really wanted, but I was perfectly happy and okay with the fact that they restructured his deal. I thought that Carl Lawson would be uh, two years removed from his Achilles, would be a, a, a key part of the pass rush rotation this year. Unfortunately, suffered that back injury in the spring or summer, whenever that was, and he just wasn't healthy. I, re- I really wish him all the best, and I still love that signing when they made it. It just didn't work out. Unfortunately, we never got to see him at 100%. So that's a shame. I hope that he does well elsewhere, but I think we both agree he's not going to be back. Next guy, Connor McGovern. Um, I think Connor McGovern is – you say no. You say no. That's the immediate – oh, yeah, the, the thumbs down that we get. Well, oh, I, I would have liked him to be back, but, I mean, I don't see – unless because they, they signed to a cheap deal anyway. They drafted Tipman. Like they've been planning for this for a while, so he's a solid player. But they're very clearly moving off him. I I, I wish we were doing the thumbs up, thumbs down thing the whole time because that's I for, that that would have been a fun way to do this. Um, <laughs> Connor McGovern, I think he's a fine player. I think he's fine. I think Jets fans have underrated in the last couple of years. I think he's a low end starter, kind of like a Bryce Huff here or Bryce Hall here. Uh, I think if he's willing to come back to be a backup. Sure, absolutely bring him back. He has great depth. And given the contract that they signed him to last year, he signed for backup money. If he's willing to sign that same deal again, sign me up. I would absolutely love Conor McGovern back as your backup center guard. I mean, he can be there with Wes Schweitzer. That's good backup depth. I'm fine with that. Also, for the most part, he's been healthy throughout his career. Not this year because every Jets O-lineman except for Lakin Tomlinson got hurt. But I'd be fine with bringing him back as a backup. I'm totally cool with that. Next player, friend of the pod. I think we both want him back. It's Thomas Morstead. Uh, I, I the league in punting and punting yards. I will revolt if the Jets don't re-sign Thomas Morstead, and I think a lot of Jets fans will feel the same way. There's no reason he should not be back. Greg Zerline, too, I think is in there, too, if we want to just lump the special teamers together because Zerline, for some reason, you would think with a name like Legatron and the brand he's built up, you make more than one Pro Bowl. I mean, the guy was 18 of 20 in kicks – Beyond 20 yards, of 20 yards, that would have been weird. Beyond 40 yards. And how many games was he the only source of offense? I mean, where would they be without this guy? Zerline. So I think I think it'd be malpractice not to bring back Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline, I don't think a lot of Jets fans realize he had, I believe, the most the highest field goal percentage by a Jets kicker in a single season ever. And I believe the most field goals made by a Jets kicker in a single season ever this year. So basically the best season ever by a Jets kicker was Greg Zerline in 2023. Uh, I have a little hesitation when it comes to Greg Zerline that like in terms of what I think the Jets will do 
only because they did bring back Austin Seibert on that futures deal. And because they did that, and because he agreed to that deal, because as you know, you know, Seibert didn't have to agree to that deal. He could have tried to, to sign on with a different team in the futures deal. He very well could have. He chose that deal because it sounds like, I mean, it, from his perspective, he might think there's a chance the Jets don't bring back Greg Zerline. I can see a world where the Jets lowball Zerline and they're like, hey, look, we already got a kicker that we like on our roster in Austin Seibert. Maybe he's the guy next year. We don't have to bring back Zerline. And they lowball him and you know, either force him to sign with a different team or force him to take less. I can see that world happening. That would be a stupid move. That would not be smart, but I could see the Jets doing that. I don't think that's going to happen more Morrison. I think he's back. Um, Hardy, we mentioned it before. I think uh, unless they are really high on Irv Charles, he'll be back. Zerline, I have some hesitation with, even though I, the Jets should resign him, and hopefully he's back. Well, if kickers, there's less age. You know, age isn't as big a thing, so. Yeah. Uh, three guys really quick. We could just really quick rattle off. Ifadi Odenigmo, he didn't even play for the Jets this year. Brett Rippon also did not play for the Jets this year. Trevor Simeon, the Jets should upgrade a QB2. Trevor Simeon Three-year contract play. about maybe, maybe – give him like maybe the Baker – the Geno Smith deal, the Daniel Jones deal. I think that's you think, fair. You think the Jets are going to tag Ifadi Odenigmo? They, they might. Like I feel like that's the guy you tag. You want to keep I think around. they're tagging Simeon and then they're going to trade him. That's what they're going to do because he was just so electric this year. With his four-yard wobbly passes. What if the Jets re-sign a defensive end and it's not Bryce Huff? It's Safadio Denigbo. What would you do? <laughs> it's Jalen Holmes. It's Jalen Holmes, yeah. They signed uh, a Big 12 – not Big 12. No, the Ohio State's not in the Big 12. What am I thinking? Never mind. Dumb joke yeah. didn't work. <laughs> uh, what are you saying? Odenigbo, didn't he go to Northwestern, Odenigbo? I believe he did. There you go. Big 10. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's those guys. Really quick, we'll write off a couple because we're actually running short on time. Uh, this is going to be a shorter stream because we had to start later. Uh, Solomon Thomas, same boat as Quentin Jefferson for me. I think he will end up being back. Uh, just he, another guy who had a career year, was extremely productive this season. I think Solomon Thomas will be back, and I think that they should bring him back. Has plenty of experience with Robert Sala. Uh, stop me if you disagree with anything I'm saying, by the way, Mike, because I know we're, we're, we're trying I'm, to wrap I'm up. I'm with you. Uh, Billy Turner, I think he's a fine offensive, a fine fourth offensive tackle. If that's where you want to bring him back and have him compete with Max Mitchell and Carter Warren for a roster spot, I'm fine with that. It's hard to find quality tackle depth. I don't think he is quality tackle depth. I think he's low end backup tackle depth. But sure, if you want to bring him back, I don't care. As long as you're not relying on him as your primary backup tackle, I think that would be a mistake. Uh, Al Woods, I think it's in a similar boat to Dwayne Brown, where I just I think he's going to retire. I don't think he's going to be back. Uh, we could I'd go like to have him back, but he's he's done. Yeah, I think we can go into more depth another time about what run stuffers that they could potentially look into to bringing in this offseason, whether it's free agency or draft. But I don't think it's going to be Al Woods. Jordan Whitehead, I'd love to have a more in-depth conversation in the future about him, but I'm just – I don't I don't want Jordan Whitehead back. Uh, I don't I either. I think that they could Eight do Eight touchdowns allowed, that's all you need to know. He led all safeties and missed tackles and touchdowns allowed. I think that that's not fully representative of the year yet. I think he was a little better than that would indicate – but I don't think he'll be back. We talked about him a little bit earlier when we were talking about the safeties. Bring back Chuck Clark, Ashton Davis, probably not Jordan Whitehead. And then the last guy was Greg Zerline, who we already kind of touched on. So that's pretty much that. Uh, we have to wrap up because we honestly, we, we started pretty late, unfortunately. Uh, so we will talk about the cap casualties and all that stuff probably next week, maybe giving some predictions as well for the offseason. Uh, as always, we're going to have some other shorts content coming out. So keep an eye on that. Be on the lookout for that stuff as well. Um, but yeah, you know, Mike, you want to, you want to say anything else before we wrap up this unusually short episode of the Jet Press podcast? I think it's just time to sign off. You know, as always, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites, YouTube and TikTok at the Jet Press for both likes really help. 
good reviews on Apple Podcasts. They really help support the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. This will be a little bit of a truncated show, but we'll be right back at the old time at 3 p.m. next Wednesday. So if I may have the pleasure of signing off, I am Mike Luciano. That is Justin Freed, and we will see you guys next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.